Hello friends, and welcome to Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs Project with Troidal Power. I am your host, Troidal Power. This is the podcast where we play games in a powerful way. And uh, we're going to check out a little bit of uh, of Dull Grey, a visual novel of sorts by Provodnik, Provodnik? P-R-O-V-O-D-N-I-K, Provodnik Games. Um, and published by Sometimes You. Sometimes You was kind enough to provide me with a copy of this to, to check out here. Um, I'm really intrigued by it. As far as I understand, it's a visual novel where you make choices to progress through the game, but it's always the same choice, which is weird. Uh, checking the settings real quick, we've got language and volume. We'll leave those both where they're at, and we'll do a new game. Um, it's... Oh, my volume's... Volume's a little loud. Let's bring that back a little bit. Super cool, like, watercolor on, like, simple watercolors painting style, kind of. We saw, like, a snowy landscape, and now we're looking at a black screen um, with a, a painting of some, like, clotheslines. Uh, and it says, she sits and stares into space. Ash-colored hair arranged in a bun. Eyes are watering. Give your granny a hug, says mother. He comes, bends over to the armchair, and cuddles the wizened, declining body. Wizened? Wizened. Wizened? Wizened. Probably wizened. The old lady struggles to open her arms in response. And who is it? Who's this? She mumbles. This is your lovely grandson, Kerr. Karusha. Remember how you looked after him? How you taught him alphabet? Letter G. Geyser. Mother gestures, showing splashes of water. Karusha. The old lady pronounces the name as a meaningless sequence of sounds. G-G-Kaiser. Repeats mother, and then adds with a bitter chuckle. And a person is gone. He wants to withdraw, but mother puts her hand on his shoulder. Sorry, I was confusing mother and grandmother. That, that's on me for getting those mixed up. Stay. Stay with your granny for longer. It won't hurt. We've been living together for a year, and you could have called on her yourself just once, just for a friendly sh- chat without me bringing you here. He stops. The old lady is wearing a green dressing gown with flower patterns. It has recently been washed and smells of cheap washing powder. Kirk can hear her heart beating. Thump, thump. It's warm. They are home, two porky tin bunkhouses pressed against each other. Their doors open to a common porch. His father built it using parts of broken robots and was very proud of his work. Now it is used as a clothes dryer and Granny's rocking chair stands under its rusty overhang. And it's all surrounded by steam. Steam hot springs, mountains, pale sky, and silence. Today is an important day, says mother. We are going to choose a profession for Kerr. What? A beetle is crawling up the bunkhouse wall. It stops and slowly and thoroughly cleans its wings. It's springtime, even though snow is still lying everywhere. A profession for Karusha. They've got these rules nowadays. Progress program gives us options, and we have to choose. (sighs) Mother noisily sighs 
strokes her son's back. Oh, my troublemaker, what will you be? And I can choose either Lamplighter or Tallyman. Now, I'm not positive what a Tallyman is, so we're going to look that up real quick. Just so we can make an informed uh, 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 an informed decision here. Tallyman. Uh, a person who keeps a score or a record of something. So a man who does tallies. So um, I'm, I'm going to go with Lamplighter. Yeah. Oh, and I don't know popped up as an option after a while there. Interesting. A Lamplighter. Why not? It's a good and useful trade. Runs in the family, she says. Lamplighter. Lamplighter. She says a little quieter and nods. And now we're back to that painting. That gorgeous painting. And the camera zooming in a little bit. There's like a, a black building kind of way in the distance underneath the cliff. And it looks like um, like a sky tram lines going to it maybe. And now we're seeing how oh, I think it was a bridge. Because now we're seeing a, a painting of a bridge. And it's just this stark... A black image on white and gray kind of almost abstract impressionistic more than abstract paintings of the landscape in the background they go one after the other along a narrow metal bridge holding the rails the bridge is shaking under their feet its metal sound is drowning in the squelching of mud currents the air is heavy and humid mother leads the way but constantly turns around gestures exclaims her son walks on morose, silent, and lost in thought. They walk for a long time. The great flame! Mother suddenly stops. What is this? A dark giant with square netted eyes is leaning over the road. Its metal spider legs are sinking in mud. And, and now we've got kind of an abstract painting of, like, a, a spider robot thing standing over the bridge, towering over it. Scared me to death, you stupid piece of metal, exclaims Mother. What is it doing here? Did anything explode again? This is a GOES maintenance robot. The tube fragments on its back look like arrows in a giant quiver. Strangely enough, it is not doing anything just turning its head, as if it is waiting for something. They cautiously approach, pass between its legs, constantly looking around. Mother is holding her son's hand. As soon as they get behind the robot's back, the giant thing turns with clanking and screeching. Somewhere high above, a sandpiper flies up with an alarming cry. Oh, what is it doing? asks Mother. Her son shrugs his shoulders. All right, let's move on, says mother, for some reason in a whisper. The robot follows them. It pulls out its legs from the sticky mud with loud squelching sounds, moves in several step dashes, often stops to turn its head around, as if sniffing. And the painting zoomed out now, and we see that bridge going across and the two figures on it and this boxy four-legged spider robot thing towering over them. Mother is nervous, biting her lips. Her hands are cold. But why would anyone get nervous? It's just a robot. Lost its way, usual business. A chain of signals got broken, and the only thing to do is to go to the nearest road and wait to be taken away. Taking her to school, his father helped such machines get back on their way a few times. 
Half an hour later, the robot's loudspeaker suddenly activates, and it says in an even mechanical voice, What profession have you chosen? In response, Mother quickens her pace. Her son struggles to keep up with her. The robot follows them, and after another dash repeats, What profession have you chosen? And now, we get that same choice. It says Mother, colon, Lamplighter, or Mother, colon, Tallyman. Um, we're gonna say Lamplighter again. A, a lamplighter, Mother finally gabbles over her shoulder. It's very good, says the robot. Lamplighter are in demand. They help us make signals. Without signals, we get lost in this dump. Mother blushes, replies. Shut it, you dump dweller. The robot bursts into a resemblance of laughter. Its voice is still unemotional and mechanical. His father was a good lamplighter. We remember him. And now we're back on that landscape as the camera pushes in even further. And we see another structure closer to us than the previous one. And it is, it is sky car things that are coming off there. And now we see a, a zoomed in picture of that structure. And it looks like the bridge that they've been following is taking them right to it. The station is right ahead at the bottom of the crater, black, massive, and drowning in steam. Lines of rods protruding from its flat roof that looks like a gigantic hairbrush. Some of its teeth are occupied by spike heads. They slowly turn, blink while charging. Some orange light goes blinking in the fog too, as if responding to the spike heads. Dull, constant humming is audible. Mother waves her hand and shouts, Hey, hello? Hey, do they see us? I sent them a message on the net. They should be waiting for us. And immediately clasps her hands. The net, was there any connection today? Her son snorts, points at the spike heads. If the servers are there, the net should be available. <sighs> but of course, she laughs. We have so many of them here. Previously, you'd be happy even if one strayed into this place. I remember that just after you were born, we had to find something out uh, about some medicine, perhaps? But unfortunately, there was no Spikey around, and he wouldn't stop crying. It was horrible. She suddenly stops laughing and asks anxiously, Do you think they will accept this one? She nods at the robot behind them. Or will it trail behind us till thermal? Her son shrugs. It depends whose shift it is today. Now we see a silhouette of, it looks like, two people in front of a window. They accepted this one, and had a good laugh about how the robot characterized professions. Of course, these were the controllers. Their communication department is full of kids. They used the timetable to figure out who could stumble into their robot, and decide to play a joke on you. But, you know, it spoke in such a way... Oh, don't take it too seriously. It's Aunt Tamara. Well, Aunt Tamara's got a deeper voice than you would expect for Aunt Tamara, but that's just how it goes sometimes. She's wearing a uniform jacket, an embroidered scarf around her neck, and earrings. She is sitting at a big window with Mother and drinking tea, putting cups on the counter of the table between piles of paperwork. Aunt Tamara's daughter is typing a little further away in an armchair, holding a portable computer on her lap. Her name is Yana. She is keeping her back straight and her expression stern. Son can't take his eyes off her. She notices it and shrugs her thin, sh thin shoulders in discontent. 
Of course, she's a grown-up, two years older than him, and already has a proper job. Behind the armchair, there are handrails and a long staircase going down into the darkness of a maintenance workshop. A robot accepted for preventative maintenance stares from the dark. They have already dismantled its legs. So, er, so, where are you going now? asks Aunt Tamara. To Thermal, to meet the Navigator. Ah, oh, the Navigator, such a handsome man. And he travels in a train that I've never seen before. I even envy you. Come on, there's nothing to envy. We are bags of nerves. Aunt Tamara nods understandingly. Well, jokes apart. What profession have you chosen? She asks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change it up. I'm gonna say tallyman. Tallyman replies, mother. Are you kidding? Are these the restless who go around the world and do God knows what? Well, Kafka, this is beyond me. They say it's a good profession. Who said? Who says that? Aunt Tamara chokes with anger. Her daughter, on the contrary, suddenly stops typing and takes a somewhat curious glance at Kerr, embarrassing him. Tallymans, those parasites and do-nothings, Aunt Tamara continues to boil. They are controlling progress program, objects Mother. It turns out rather, it turns out rather, it comes out, I think that's what that's supposed to say, it comes out rather hesitantly, like they are controlling progress program. The phrase is clearly a cliché. Oh, just listen to yourself. Controlling. Progress program. Tell me another one. This is nothing but a show for idiots like you. They already have it all controlled and made the decision a long time ago, and without green kids. Uh, okay, I'm going to the kitchen, loudly declares Yana, then rises and suddenly motions to Kerr to follow her. Go ahead, waves Aunt Tamara. Now we see a silhouette of a woman um, with a, uh, like a kettle maybe on the table that she's leaning against and some lights behind her. The kitchen is a pokey and dark, pocky, a pocky and dark place. The only source of light is round holes in the ceiling. The door of the fridge is covered with souvenir magnets. A headless robot frame sits in the corner. Don't listen to my mom, smiles Yana. It's so like her, imagining things. Kerr nods. And why did you stop going to school? Yana asks. He mumbles something like, well, you see... Is it because of what happened to your father? It must be really tough. And why wouldn't you move to Thermal? At least you'll have people around. Kerr repeats his usual, well, you see, and points somewhere behind his back. Your mom doesn't want to? Kerr nods. You are so untalkative. Are you afraid of me? He intensely shakes his head. Yana takes out a mirror, turns to the light, and spends some time contemplating her own reflection. Then she unbinds her hair with a single motion and asks, Tell me, am I beautiful? Kerr looks at her astonished and thrilled. Oh! She checks herself. Stop, hold on, you got it all wrong. You're still just a kid. I I'm sorry, I'm very sorry. I meant quite a different thing. Kerr's thoughts are in turmoil. He doesn't know what to do and what to feel. The whole situation sends shivers up his spine. The sound of Mother's loud voice comes from the workshop. You see, he wants nothing, absolutely nothing, and what do I do? What? Yana continues. Don't say anything, no need, but let me tell you one thing. Her eyes flash with strong emotions. You know what? Get away from here if you have a chance. You need to go away. 
her nod slowly and hesitantly. Tell me the truth. Who do you want to be? Now it's interesting because the options again are mother lamplighter or mother Italian. And it's not mother answering this time. It's 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 Kurt. It's the kid. Um, I'm going to say lamplighter. Oh, and then mother enters the kitchen. And it's, so what it says is, a lamplighter, says mother, entering the kitchen. Get ready, Kirill. It's time to go. And we're back to that beautiful painting and the camera zooming in uh, towards the, the, it looks like it's kind of focusing in on the, the sky cars this time. Um, but that's where I'm going to leave it. I don't want to, I don't, I don't know how long this story is. Gondolas, that's what they're called. Gondola, a two-seater metal cage slowly moving above a milk-white sea of steam. It creaks, rocks. Um, I'm going to leave this episode there. I know it's a little bit short, but I don't want to tell you the whole story, and I don't know how long the story is going to be. Um, the, the, the art style on the visuals that are here, are, are it's really gorgeous. It, it, this is a, a, a simply but beautifully illustrated story. Um, I don't know how long the story is going to be. I have absolutely no concept of how the decision-making that I'm making works and how it's going to impact the story overall. Because as far as I understand, it's just always those two decisions, um, which is really curious to me. Um, but yeah, that was a, a little bit of a uh, preview, first impressions, first first 18 minutes of gameplay of Dole Grey. Um, thank you again to Sometimes You for providing a copy of this for me to check out. And uh, hey, until next time, friends, tap A and hope for the best. If you enjoyed my show, it would mean a lot if you would rate and review it on iTunes, share it on social media, or check out my Patreon. You can find all of my stuff at troidalpower.carrd.co. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. Too young for this trek. The final frontier. These are the voyages of... MC. Troy. And Eric. Their mission to introduce Tyler to strange new episodes to seek out the best and worst media in the Star Trek franchise. To boldly go where several podcasts have probably gone before. You can listen to these goobers talk about Star Trek by searching for Too Young for This Trek or by visiting probablywork.com.